Episode 103 of In the Move for Podcast. I'm Callum Reid of UltimateAddict.com. Alongside Peter Shepherd of In the Move for Blog.blog.co.uk, who's looking at his can of Pepsi Max with Lionel Messi's face on it, and that is the only time we're going to be mentioning the World Cup tonight. It is, especially, well, we just got it out the way off air. Mm. Um, are we on air? <laughs> yeah, it's, it is live. We're recording. Yeah. Um, so we've already talked about that, and it's quite depressing. So mm. we're going to mm. skip that, but suffice to say, it's mm. taking up a lot of our time. So we only have four films this week. It really is taking up so much of my time <laughs> <laughs> because the run Nigeria was just so thrilling. <laughs> it was because because I actually uh, my brother's uh, <laughs> my brother's work is doing a, a league where you have to predict all of the results uh, for the group stage. Yeah, and the first one that I got right was nil nil. <laughs> wow, because <laughs> you just didn't care about either of them. You're just like yeah, nil nil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Alright, have we got any news of a non-film, non-sport related this week? Just normal news? What do you mean on my house hunting front? House hunting? No, don't talk about mortgages. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe stuff to do with music? or um, Music? Yeah. So has something else happened with the uh, badinage? Is the badinage back? <laughs> No, although the really annoying thing this particular evening is that I do have a particular Katy Perry song in my head, which is really annoying me at this point. Is it birthday? Yeah, it is about <laughs> balloons. <laughs> it is a song about balloons. It's extraordinarily uh, putting me out. That's catchy, but have you seen the video? No, I don't want to. She's dressed as a lecherous old woman at an old people's home. So she's Charlotte Rampling. It's more Angelica Houston in The Witches. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, it's not pretty. Okay, uh, news this week. We have... This is sporting news, but it's not football. Mm. Michael Schumacher. Yes. He's awake. Yes. Great news. Yeah. Great news. They kept that They kept that on the, the down low. They did, until they had to announce it. So he's like, he's awake, he's not... I don't know if he's talking yet, but he's... He's gone home. He's gone home. Yeah. So he's he must be able to talk if he's gone home, then. Well, you don't know, but... Communicating, in the very least. Mm. Which is great. A, Mal- a Malreach style. Could you imagine just waking up? I think it was, like, the day of Germany's match as well, when they announced it. Really? Could you just imagine waking up six months later, it's the World Cup, and you're like, oh my god. Well, I wish I had woken up six months later after Benitez had just got sacked. (laughs) (laughs) I'd have just missed it all. Was he there for six months? Might even have been more. I think it was like November, December. Anyway, we're not talking about football. (laughs) Okay. Next bit of news. Oh, good about Michael Schumacher, by the way. Yes. Um, News, Daniel Day-Lewis... Ooh. is to receive a knighthood. But won't he turn it down? I don't think he has. That's not been that's not been news yet. That might be next week's news. <laughs> but it's not this week's. 
So they actually wouldn't give it to him if he turned if he turned it down because they tried to give Vanessa Redgrave a damehood, uh, and she and she has turned it down. Vanessa, because well, she's like a communist, so <laughs> she just she covets controversy, doesn't she, Vanessa? Wherever she goes, yeah, gotta love her. That's why we love her. Uh, but yeah, I, why do you think he would reject it? Well. Um, just because um, hasn't he like dropped his British citizenship, citizenship, and uh, become Irish basically? Well, I thought you weren't allowed a knighthood unless you're British. <clears throat> no, um, you can be. Um, hasn't Warren Gatlin just got something? Well, Jolie actually, Jolie in this one has got an honorary damehood. Yeah, but that but that doesn't you... count. No, but um, I think you can get a knighthood if you were a former uh, member of a Commonwealth country. So you'd have like Sir Donald Bradman. He was obviously Australian. Oh, okay. So they're just basically shutting out the Americans. Pretty much, yeah. Which, obviously, I'm all for. <laughs> <laughs> Which, unfortunately, Ghana couldn't do. We're not talking about football. <laughs> <laughs> the World Cup will bleed into the podcast. It's inevitable. <laughs> Not when we start mentioning our Greek friends, it won't. <laughs> We're English, for God's sake. <laughs> we can't talk about it. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about supporting actresses. Sporting actresses? Sport- no, no more sport. <laughs> <laughs> what, you mean Chelsea's physio? <laughs> <laughs> supporting actresses... Um- <laughs> Specifically, one-time supporting actress nominees because two yeah. of them have died in the last week. Really, which two have died? Well, firstly, we had the death of Ruby D. Really? Yeah, who was eighty-eight. I feel bad now because I was going to mention her as one of the worst ones. <laughs> yeah. Well, mm. I. So you didn't tell me this beforehand. <laughs> yeah. You, well, you didn't have to mention it's... that. <laughs> but Ruby. Because say I'm an honest bloke. Ruby D, we have mentioned it on the podcast before that she got nominated yeah. for a very small role that yeah. I don't think she was bad in. I don't think she's bad in. I just think it's it, it it's one of the if she, if she was ever going to get nominated, she should have got nominated for a Raising in the Sun, which is in the sixties. Yeah, yeah, Sydney Quartier film. But, uh, but but that often happens. People don't get nominated for the film that they're they're better in. But, Hello, Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> <laughs> but Ruby D, um, very sad news, uh, died mm. this week. Also died this week, Martha Heyer, who was refresh my memory. Was nominated for Some Came Running in nineteen fifty. Oh God, of course she was. She was the teacher, was. as yes. I remember. Yes, and she was yes, quite yes. good actually. Was she was good. Yeah, she was good. But was never seen again after that. No. I only saw that film. Because I watched Le Mepri, which is the only uh, French New Wave film that I actually like. And I think that it, the fact that Bridget Bardot gets naked in that film is something that is obviously completely mutually exclusive to why I like it. Obviously. Um, <laughs> but in it, there's this brilliant, and I can't believe I'm talking about Goddard film and using the word brilliance. Um, there's this brilliant <laughs> like half an hour scene where it's like her and um, uh, Michelle Peekley arguing. Mm. And uh, in the in the middle in the middle section, 
and she walks in on him in the bath and he's wearing a hat and he just says I'm I'm being Dean Martin and some came running so the next time I was like flicking around TCM and I saw some came running that's why I watched it ah uh, okay I didn't know it was like Oscar nominated Oscar nominated and all that jazz yeah I- but when I found out after the fact so because I didn't have that preconception going in I was a little surprised after the fact that um, Shirley got nominated but the more I see but the you, were, not... you liked Shirley you, that was one of the performances that swing, swung you on off wasn't it the apartment was yeah. the main one yeah. and it, ca- it came after seeing the apartment so um, it, it, it was when I was giving her a bit of goodwill <laughs> oh, <right. laughs> but having seen more from that year I, I, I actually do think she was one of the better performances that year it's just that when you watch it on its own you think really I don't know. I think it was a little bit too soon for her. Mm. But mm. not a good year, I would agree. Mm. How angry Bergman didn't get nominated, I don't know. Oh my god. I'd, not no. because I didn't think she was brilliant, but it just made makes sense for her to be nominated for that role. No, I, I love her in that. She's my win for that. Right. Mm. But this is but, In of the Sixth Happiness. Yes. Yeah. They used to show that to me at, um, <laughs> in my primary school as like a treat. <laughs> <laughs> when it was like the last day of the term and they bring bringing roll on the TV this is what used to happen it's what used to happen in ridiculously white areas of um, a certain coalfield in the mid 80s I think even <laughs> that is extreme for the mid 80s <laughs> <laughs> I think Should, you showed the me the fork Juma- in the road it's the moral quandary I think you showed me Jumanji <laughs> oh my god uh, uh, but yeah Martha Hire. Uh, Sorry. Sadly died this week. <laughs> yes. Um, at presumably quite an old age. But she, mm. yeah, quite good in some care running. But both yes. of those very forgettable supporting actress nominees, yeah. nominations even. Yes. So, which led me on to one-time supporting actress nominations that mm-hmm. people might either forget or people need to be reminded Love. of. Um, mm. So we're going to recommend some and we're going to maybe shame some. Ones of note. Yeah. For, for better or worse. Yeah. Should we start with the bad or the good? Can we do it chronologically? Because that's how I did it. Uh, or is that too bad? No, we, we can do it chronologically. Yeah. Okay. Well, my first one is the really obvious one that caught my eye. Mm-hmm. It just If I just say the, the words Judith Anderson to you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> flying the flag for lesbians all over. Oh, lesbian subtext. <laughs> lesbian subtext. In 1940 was Judith Anderson. Oh ahead God. of the time. <laughs> I wasn't expecting you to go there. <laughs> well, that's a mini face palm. She did. <laughs> <laughs> and the sight of her in, in the flames at the window just mm. burning into oblivion. Is is just one of the best moments mm. ever, but yeah, great, great performance. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go earlier, 1937. Okay. Have you seen Stage Door? I have seen Stage Door. Andrea Leeds in Stage Door. Mm. I really like. She plays a an actress who really it's the brunette, the tall, the tall brunette. Yeah. Uh, she want basically she wants to play the lead role that Catherine Hepburn eventually gets. Mm. And she has quite a baity role because of what happens to her character. Oh, I remember. Yes, yeah. yes, 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 yes. And there's a, yes, there's yes, a moment, yes. like, there's a scene where she goes up the stairs and she's completely devastated. Mm. And she finds out that Catherine Hepburn's got the wrong set of her. I just mm. think she's tremendous. So, 
she really stands out for me from somebody who was nominated and then never really heard of again. Mm. So, um, I'm skipping forward now quite a lot. Um, and if I if she was nominated again, it's just because I'm uh, I can't remember. Even Marie Saint. I don't think she was. No, I, I think that's a one-time nominee. A one-time I, win. Well, one-time win and. I don't actually think she's that supporting. No. But, uh, it, is, it is debatable, though. Yeah, because it is a lot. It is so so much about him, but I, I would put a lead, definitely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, it's just a beautiful performance. Yeah, very soulful. And she was very young at the time, right, wasn't she? Um. Yeah, I would have thought so, because, like, um, Four or five years before uh, North by Northwest. Mm. Okay. Um, she was uh, late 20s. Oh, okay. Because I think she was playing younger than that. Yes, she so was, she looked, yes. She did look very young. Sorry, she was born in 24 and that came out in 54, so... Wow. Uh, okay, I want to mention Lillian Gish in Jewel in the Sun. Yeah, I was. I had that one as a because not because I think she's particularly great in it. I think she's quite good, Um, but just because you would expect her to be nominated, have more nominations than that. Yeah, but she does only have one, and she was pretty close in '87. I would think with the Wales of August, August. which is so good in that, and she's like very, very old. And often when people get that old, they do. you have a chance, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't mean to be ageist, but often when they get that old, I think the performance can suffer. I right. haven't seen many wonderful performances by people, because she was 90 or something in that. Oh, so you're not talking like, like how Holbrook into the world? That's one of the examples of a great one. Yeah. But often I think that doesn't tend to happen. Often and they're Be- just old. <laughs> yeah, and Betty Davis is more just old in that than great. Right. But she's she's just really, really good in that one. Mm. But I guess her era was before the... Yeah, this thing, if the Oscars would have existed five years before... Yeah. She'd have been all over it. Yeah. Was Scarlet Letter, was she in? Yeah, Scarlet Letter, The Wind, uh, that's all like 27, 28, which mm. was around the time that it, it, it started. But um, uh, I think if you went back to, say, 23, 24, um, mm. she should have been a bit more involved. Yeah. Okay, any more? Uh, yeah, the obvious for me in the in the good section is uh, the uh, uh, Imitation of Life Girls. Susan Coner, Juanita Moore. Yep. Meant- My God, what an impeccably acted film that is. Great, wonderful. Lana Turner, never been better than that. No, not even close. I mean, I like Peyton Place, but not even close. I think that's the best Cirque film as well. Yes, it's the best one I've seen, yeah. I mean, mm. some of them can be a little cold, a little just lacking, but this is so emotional. Yeah, it's got and the depth. It- Often I feel with like Cirque is that it's too soap opera and melodrama without the depth, and I think this one does have it. Mm. Uh, I want to mention Catherine Burns in Last Summer. I haven't seen that. Which is 1969. 
Basically, it's about a group of kids, quite bright kids, who are on holiday, and Catherine Burns plays the ginger, short-haired, frumpy girl. Uh, so the Martha Plimpton in the mid-80s role. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they kind of they befriend her, but they, they're also quite elitist about her. And she's got really, really like bad social skills. And the way that she, the way that her character develops in it, she does it really well. I was going to say she's got really bad social skills. What does she wear a Philadelphia Eagles top to a date? <laughs> it's actually worse than that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a Frank Burns film. No, not Frank, well, oh, not right, Frank okay. Burns, Frank Perry. Right, right, yeah. Who was not the most subtle of directors, but yeah. Um, I've mentioned, uh, as, I'm, as I'm about to mention it, I actually can't remember what the film was. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lena Olin, for a film I haven't actually seen, but why was she only nominated once, and why was it for Enemies of Love Story? I've not seen it either, but if there was something I would nominate her for, it would be The Reader. Even yeah. though it's only one scene, because she it's, just kills I need, it. I need one more scene, personally. But, uh, well... I, I can see why people... Yeah, it's, she kills it. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not... I just think an actress that good would have more than one nom. And I know there are, yeah, I know there are others, but... Well, what, what else is she in? Was she in Chocolat? Or... She was in Chocolat. She was in The Ninth Gate, where she was just crazy. She was in. Uh, Quite uh, like the Ninth Gate, actually. Got a soft I, I spot really, for that. I I just think it's a really underrated film. Yeah. Um, I like Senior in it as well. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> um, after the rehearsal, um, um, unbearable lightness being. Um, I just think she. But, I mean, obviously, I think she just kind of got like. Sort of, thought, well, because she was so good looking, they just sort of like put her in that bracket and. Hollywood never really went for it in a big way. Hollywood didn't really go for many foreign actresses in the eighties anyway. No. But she uh, she did get a nomination. That wasn't Angelica nominated for that too, right? I think the pair yes. of them got nominated. Yes. Um, I want to mention, still in the good range, um, Juliet Lewis and Kate Fear. Right, I, I, I could have mentioned that one, yeah. Which I didn't... I've got a soft spot for her. Yeah, I didn't like it at first, but then I... Because I thought this is ridiculous. And I'm still, yeah. I've still got huge, huge reservations about the film in general. It's the scene at the... Um, uh, the play, the theatre. The theatre, yeah. The theater, yeah, yeah. with uh, De Niro. That's the one, yeah. Mm. And when I saw this that... This is where again, she realises she's out of her depth. Yeah. And it's almost like because of that setting, she's putting on a, a role. Yeah. And then she suddenly realises. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> and it does fit in with how adolescent girls might act around yes. people like that. Mm. But I do like that dynamic. Mm. But again, an actress that has done really good work. Could have, I don't know, could she have been nominated again for anything? Juliet Lewis, um, they talked her up for conviction, for like the two scenes. Yeah, but, um, no. I don't really think so. No. Um, She's very good in Whip It, but that was obviously not yeah. an Oscar thing. 
But, but the, the, the thing for her was she was very, very good and funny, but in comedies. That was sort of like her way back. Mm. Um, and so while, I, I mean, while, okay, fine, it's good that you're in, in something again and you're good. Um, when uh, that thing that you're in again and you're good is old school. Um, it's not really going to do it for you. Um, I think the thing for her that she was, she got serious noms for was Hysterical Blindness, uh, which is a TV movie with her mm. and Uma Thurman. She's really good in that. Okay. That's probably the best thing she's done uh, since. Okay, um, are we still on good? Have you got any more? I've just got three wo- I've just got three words. You say yes and we move on. Marianne Jean-Baptiste. Leading, but yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, quick uh, mention Shara Agdishlu as well. Yeah, I've got her. Yeah, because, that's my next one. Because that's total one-time, never-again situation. Yeah. Although you might have said that with Marissa Tomei and she got... Oh, my God. She well, who who knew that was going to happen? Yeah. Who knew? I mean, I think In the Bedroom was a bit of a stretch, but obviously she's superb in The uh, the Wrestler. I like her in them all. I've got, to, I've got to see In the Bedroom again, but I don't want to. It's so depressing. God. But then again, I do think um, Wilkinson could realistically be on my shortlist for best performance of the decade. But I don't want to see it again. No, it's not pleasant. Quick mention for just what the fuck nominees. Hermione Baddeley in Room at the Top. The ultimate. She's she's in it for about two minutes and she's not even good. It's been reduced to seconds. It's something like um, 115 seconds or something ridiculous. Um, also, Anne Ramsey in Throw Mama from the Train. Now you're talking completely. Um, there's one. Um, I'm not sure if it's a sing- but the thing is, it's not a first time. It's not an only nominee. Oh. If you're just talking uh, for the pure WTFness of it all, then oh, where is it? Why can't I see it right now? I've got it in front of me. Over. Geraldine Page, you're a big boy now. Oh my god, what the hell were they smoking? Do you mean... That's the first one she got though, isn't it? Yeah, but it's just... Have you, have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it. Well, I knew, you know why I watched that. I watched that for Elizabeth Hartman. Yeah, that was his student film, wasn't it? Yeah. That he made oh, for like 100,000 or something. Crazy. Crazy. Uh, most of the 1993 lineup, Rosie Perez... Oh... Um, and ninety five Kathleen. Well, I, it's not a real what the fuck, but um, Catherine Quinlan doesn't do much in Apollo thirteen. What about Mira Sorvino? Aphrodite. Woody, Woody, and Woody's in it. It's part of the the, the Shepherding embargo. Mm. Right. Are we done? Uh, <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Alright, so we're going to do a quick red light district. Because mm. I've seen three. Have you seen yeah. one, yeah? No, it's rear window, so it doesn't matter. Oh, which we talked about. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to talk about the three, and then hopefully you'd have, I think you definitely see one. Okay. So I'm going to start with a film called... from it's I think it's from 1966. 1964, 1966. Mm. It's called King of Hearts. And it's by Philippe de Brocher. And it's a film that's 
in French and English almost equally, but the lead of it is Alan Bates. Right. And it's he is a soldier. It's a comedy. He's a sol a soldier um, that has been chosen by his dim-witted general superior because they've got the wrong man, basically. So they've got the wrong name. Um, and he's like a bird expert, and he's and they're thinking he's a bomb disposal expert. So they're in a French town, and a bomb has been planted by the Germans, and he is on a mission to find the bomb and disable it. Mm. Meanwhile, everybody else in the town is completely loony. All they're interested in is having fun, partying, and dressing up, and a lot of them are quite gay. Um, <laughs> So it's so happy. No, well, <laughs> camp. Sorry, camp. So it's it's actually, and it's basically saying ultimately, to cut a long story short, it's basically taking the mick out of war as sort of like machoness. What? As being macho. Yeah, like an ego, ego trip for the people mm. at the front of it. Yeah. Yeah. And it does it in a really funny way, and. Um, I don't know. It's just like something I haven't heard, I haven't seen before, and it's quite. Uh, times I was thinking it was a bit Fellini, like in the indulgence, like it went a bit far with it. Mm. But then I think it does really make a great point with it, and at the end, it's quite strangely moving. Mm. So it's it's definitely sort of like an arty film, but it's it's very fun with it, and it's. It's it's got quite funny jokes in that whole posh British way. Yeah. So yeah. Ah. That sounds decent. Next, Kiss of the Spider Woman. Yes. From nineteen eighty five. It's Hector mm. Babenko Babenko film. It's the guy who did um He d- did he do Barfly. Yeah. Yeah. And p- is it Pis Pixoti? Yeah. From before, mm. but um, I really liked it actually. I this is William Hurt's Oscar win. William Hurt or um, Raoul? I like them both. I prefer I I... William just because yeah, I think he has more to do. But yeah, it's literally put a rizzle of paper between them for me. Yeah, and... I don't. I do not understand. This is the Joe Wright rant of the week. I'm with you. One for, I'm with you. I just don't understand why he wins and Julia doesn't even get nominated. Well, I was just going to say why Julia doesn't get... I was convinced that Julia was nominated and supporting, so all through the film I was thinking, this is an outrage. That he should be win. lead. No, that he oh, should right. be lead. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And then he didn't even get nominated at all, it's which ridiculous. is obviously why. It's obviously the, the category split that people weren't sure where to put him because I don't know why he wouldn't get in. I don't get it. Because yeah, Donna, Donna Mesh won for Cocoon in supporting. Oh, so God. who's? No, it's definitely a, a case of they they weren't campaigning in properly, because the Globes nominated him lead. Right, but well, he's obviously lead. It's just he is. It's obviously core lead, yeah. But anyway, the film is um, it's about. But wasn't this like two years after? The dresser, two or three years after the dresser. Mm. I think it's just. Yeah. I think. I think That's it's because. True, yeah. I think it. 
I don't foreign. Call, call me cynical. I don't think it's the foreign thing. I think it's because William Hurt's playing a flamboyant gay man, and it's easy. And it's because it's Bill Hurt. They they they're more comfortable thinking like, oh wow, he's really acting. But it wasn't Bill Hurt then, was it? That was the, his first nomination. It was his first nomination, but he'd been around. I think he'd done um, Body. Um, oh yeah, he did Body. body. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah, that's definitely why it's a bit like the Richard Dreyfus thing as well. Um, yeah, I quite liked that he didn't overcook that though. No, it's um, I think it's on the sort. It's the same level as your Philip Seymour Hoffman in Flawless type believability. I I I don't, I, I don't think it's it doesn't feel put on at all. Yeah, which is. Either you say it's impressive, or you say, "Well, it's the minimum," <laughs> because you're playing that character. <laughs> it's like um, if you say um, Kate Blanchett in "I'm Not There." Oh, but she was really convincing as a man. But when you think, "Okay, well, yeah," either that's really impressive, or it's just the minimum requirement for the role. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm not really interested in the physical thing anyway. It's more to do with what was emotion. Yeah, well, the character actually has a lot of negative points in the fact that he manipulates Raul Julia mm. and he's so good at doing it. But that's why I like the film. It's quite, It's got quite a lot to say about that and his character does really blossom. And I do believe that what he does at the end, he would do because mm. I don't think he's particularly intelligent. Uh, I think he's emotionally intelligent, but I don't think he's particularly intelligent. Can you see why this was basically impossible to get hold of for so long? Yeah. Yeah, you really can't. I mean, unfortunately. It's very, very... It's quite like Dallas Buys Club in the low budget, the um, quite interestingly edited... Sonia Braga's really good as well mm. in this. Um but it's that kind of thing. Like, if Dallas Buyers Club was made at this time, I don't think it would be easy to get hold of either. Mm. Interestingly, by the way, um, a lot of people, at least three or four different sets of people, have been talking to me about that, saying what a great film it was. Who wouldn't usually watch, in inverted commas, a gay film. Yeah. Because it, I suppose, because it isn't, and that's why it's, why it's accessible. I suppose. Well, it kind of is, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Did I know. You see it that is. coming? Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> oh dear. All right. Lastly, um, "Time Without Pity" from 1957, which is a Joseph Lawsy film. It was ringing a bell until you said that. And it's about a guy, an alcoholic who has a son and he suddenly returns from his alcoholic stupor and finds that his son has been arrested for murder and is going to be executed in 24 hours time. Therefore, um, therein follows a kind of film noir set up where the dad has to investigate who might have murdered this girl. and who I thought might... you were going to say where Richard Gere buys the rights to the free bank. Well, no, I was going to say give it time, but it's been <laughs> 1957. Yeah. I don't think anyone's dredging this up. Ah. It's um, it, it's all right. It's um, it's got some pretty laugh out loud moments unintentionally. Uh, but 
I it's got a solid ish story, but it's got one of the things that I don't like. What where like in Colombo, where they pretty much say who's done it at the beginning, right. and then the rest of it is uncovering that, which I just it just ruins it for me. I'm just I'm a purist with when it comes to mystery films. Mm. I want it to remain a mystery until very near the somewhere end. near the end. Yeah, yeah. Until Albert Finney finishes his seven-page uh, monologue. <laughs> How long was it? It was stupidly long. It was like eight or nine pages. Twenty minutes, apparently. That's, so, that's like the worst one as well. I don't like that ending. Uh, that's why I'm too purist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Preconceptions? Right. Uh, what is this? TSB Vey? I just say it. Um, I, haven't se- I haven't seen it, I so I don't know. Sp- I don't know if Spivey or Spivey. They don't mention it. I th- is that the title, anyway? Yeah, uh, The Young and Prodigious T.S. Spivey. God. Uh, Before the Winter Chill, uh, Oculus. Was it the Oculus? Oculus, yeah. Oculus and Devil's Knot. Uh, preconceptions about T.S. Spivey. Did you have any? No, I didn't know anything about it. I, th- I think it is Spivey, actually, because he's from the West. But anyway, whatever it is, uh, I knew it was directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. Oh, okay. Which was the only draw for me. And I hadn't seen the trailer. I'd only seen the poster, which made it look like a family-type adventure film. Mm. So I was, um, I was going into it with goodwill. Mm, I'm not massive on Jeunet. Uh, I do like uh, In Long the Munch, the froggy speak, though. Mm. Um, Before the Winter Chill, um, well, Tor's one of my favourite actors. Uh, Kristen Stott Thomas, I think, is a good actress, but she's not one of my favourites. Okay. Um, Is it Lelouch? Uh, I'd seen uh, I Love You So Long. I thought it was very well acted, but uh, not very uh, good dramatically. Lelouch? Is Is that his name? No, it's Claudel. Claude, I knew it was the same name as someone famous. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> I was going to say Shooter Lelouch is dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going for the second generation thing. Oh, um, right. <laughs> uh, I love you so long, yeah. Um, liked it, liked the acting, didn't like the drama. Um, yeah, me so, too. So it was that was a kind of preconception. But I, I was still hoping um, to be wowed uh, in spite of that. Okay. I would have seen this, but it was on in the afternoon this week, so I couldn't. Uh, Oculus, I all I knew is that it had been described as a haunted mirror movie. Okay. Which completely got me involved. So it's like the average episode of Charmed. <laughs> I've never seen Charmed. Oh, it's fantastic. I'm sure it is. Uh, if you like brunettes... so that that was literally it I hadn't seen a trailer Um, I I knew it had something like 73% on Rotten Tomatoes which is good for a horror film right Uh, Devil's Not I'd forgotten even though you told me last week that a Goyne directed it so it wasn't a big exception (laughs) (laughs) 
all I knew by the time I watched it was that Reese was in it, Firth was in it, and it was about the murder of three boys. So. Yeah, okay. Um, I knew it was a guy, and I knew it was based on the Paradise Lost films about the three kids killed by the three other kids. Um, and... Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> and uh, I knew that they had since been released. So I, I had a pretty good... Spo- massive spoiler alert for you. <laughs> <laughs> I had a pretty good handle on what had actually gone down in real life. Okay. I didn't know how long this film was going to span during that. Right. Um, I knew that Reese was in it, which is a huge plus <laughs> for me. Oh, yeah, sorry, I should say, uh, yeah, Firth is, Firth is, I think he's one of our finest actors. And when I say our finest actors, I mean British. Um, Reese, um, I don't dislike, let's put it that way. Okay. I, I quite like Colin. It doesn't excite me that he was in it. No. Um, You're not the sort of person who would dig out, say, Geneva. Genoa. Genoa. I've not Geneva. seen Genoa. I didn't think you would. It's Winterbottom. I know, I know. I will. It's not great. Oh, okay. And the and he, the girl playing his daughter is terrible. Oh. Okay, but mm. maybe. Mm. But at Agoyan is obviously uh, on a downward Oops. spiral. What Chloe didn't uh, the uh, speaking going back to the lesbianism of Judith Anderson, uh, Chloe didn't do it for you then. Definitely not. Um, so, to be honest, I was a little bit... Trepidatious. Trepidatious about this. I was quite wary. Mm. I was quite wary about whether it was going to be... Also, it's kind of been dropped release-wise. It yeah, hasn't it has. got a big promotional push. It actually, yet, having said that, it is at my Cineworld. I think mine's like the only one. Yeah, no, it's at one near here, but I still, I've not seen any adverts for it or anything no, like that. No, you, you wouldn't know it existed if you weren't looking at the websites. Yeah, if you were, yeah, exactly. Okay. Alright, so, uh, first we have T.S. Spivet, or Spivet, probably Spivet. I've watched the film, I still don't know. <laughs> it's about a ten-year-old kid, um, who's kind of a boy genius, um, He's invented this perpetual motion machine. Um, right. And he's won a prize for it, which is going to be presented at the Smithsonian Institute in Washington D.C. So he doesn't tell any. He doesn't tell his mother, who's Helena Bonham Carter. Right. He doesn't tell his dad. Um, and he. Does he, he tell the uh, security guard who's Ben Stiller? His wife. <laughs> Night of the Museum too. Oh, right. <laughs> he doesn't tell us all. He goes off, uh, leaves his family's ranch in Montana, and travels across the country aboard a freight train, meeting many people along the way. So it's a road movie, which should appeal to you. I should do. Um, it's one of the few films I've seen... I might be completely wrong about this, but it's one of the few films I've seen where I'm pretty confident that most of the budget's gone on the production design. <laughs> which is not exactly new ground for Journey. <laughs> but it's like there's so much... Because this is in 3D. 
Well, usually it, the budget goes on the cinematography, doesn't it? Mm. Well, there's a lot of landscape anyway, so I don't, I don't know how much cinematography needs to be implored here. But he hasn't got Audrey Tortue hobbling towards the corner. No, if only. <laughs> if we needed Audrey Tattoo in this film, maybe it's a clairvoyant, because there is like quite a lot of circus. You tell Tiaspive what his um uh what is um fabulous destiny what his fabulous destiny is. <laughs> Le fabuleux. <laughs> um yeah, but there's a lot of uh, circus style wagons, old style Western Railroad. Okay. Um, even though this isn't a period film. And they still decided to do that. Mm. And it's very lavishly done, like it's done more for character and colour than it is for authenticity. Which is exactly like Hugo. I think it's exactly like um, uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Like that as well, <laughs> yeah, like that. Um, and it's... Uh, which, it's it's fine. It, this is in 3D, which again makes me think of Hugo and that this wants to be Hugo a little bit. Mm. Um, but it fits in with the family adventure style it's going for. Um, it's got a little Benjamin Button vibe about it, which is not going to appeal to me. And it's got these weird and wonderful characters. Are we what? going back to Ben Stiller again with the Benjamin Button vibe with him and Kristen Wiig? <laughs> That's the best thing that ever <laughs> that ever came out of Benjamin Button. <laughs> Definitely. What about them? Um, uh, that oh, Swinton. I was going to say, um, Dace Blast score, summarise it, Lake Poncho Train. Amazing. I was too appalled by the screenplay. It's like a Soldana situation, but with music rather than the whole women. (laughs) (laughs) The Dace disaster. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, The pit of despair. There's there's weird uh, weird and wonderful characters, but they're not very wonderful. But mm. they are quite weird. And it gets to 50 minutes in before anything really happens. Much like this podcast. Yes, actually, yes. <laughs> so when he gets to the Smithsonian, things do start to happen. Judy Davis turns up. All right, always, always a plus. Always. And uh, she's the museum manager who sees the boy as a sort of media magnet and a way to generate publicity for the uh, Institute. Mm. And she sends him off to do interviews. And I started started to um, become interested or more interested in in it then. But then the film suddenly decides to add a childhood trauma mm. that hadn't previously been mentioned. Um, Exploitative. Very. Mm. Manipulative. Mm. Distasteful. Yeah. And mm. even though it's not brought about in a particularly distasteful way. The fact they go there in the, any regardless. Yeah. And it's almost like they feels like they need to go there because it's been so underwhelming and maybe they feel like it's been so underwhelming that there isn't a lot of content to the plot. You've got to give it some dramatic heft, so let's have a tragic backstory. Yeah, because what is... Of the road movies you've seen, what is appealing about the road movie? 
that there there isn't that much backstory, and it is just um, uh, people dealing with now, and you're not uh, well apart from wild strawberries, which is well, well actually, just to contradict that, while I'm thinking out loud, wild strawberries is about him being haunted by his past, as is Paris, Texas. So there are a few, but in general, it's more coming to terms with who you are, finding yourself. Yeah. In the present. But it's about developing interesting relationships through that Rod hmm. movie. Um, the but, journey, the physical journey mirrors the emotional one, or the character's one. Yeah. Whereas this, the film before the trauma, had actually interested me in the character because I thought that it was implying that he was mildly autistic. Okay. Because... You get these little asides, and because he is so scientifically orientated, you do get these um, these just little things where he sees droplets on a window, and then he mentions something about droplets scientifically going the path of least resistance, mm. where humans often go on the path of most resistance. That's just an observation he makes, which is not which is a way of saying that he feels on the outside viewing humans from the outside. Mm. Um, so not just trying to explain why Roy Hodgson might play Wayne Rooney uh, and every single other person in the three behind the man up front out of position. <laughs> no World Cup from We're not yet. talking about the World Cup, Cal. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> You've trapped me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Don't talk about the World Cup. <laughs> You mentioned it once. I think you got away with it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but this. It's the one thing I said to Cal before we started talking. Before we started recording, Cal, we're not going to talk about the World Cup. Yeah, and then it's you. Yeah, every t- chance kid. <laughs> <laughs> but this, the the character, the fact that he leaves his parents and doesn't seem too attached to them, also mm. gives that autistic vibe to it. Right. So I was interested in that, and then the fact that he then addresses his own awareness about the trauma then completely contradicts that. Yeah. And made it less interesting to me, and I think mm. it really disappointed me, actually, when it went there. Um, so I can't really recommend much about the film at all, sadly. Mm. And the only thing I can say is if you want to see Helena Bonham Carter slap Judy Davis... This film might be worth a watch. It's not untempting. Yeah, but otherwise, it's mm. a high-ish C minus, which is not much. Hmm. Right. Um. So, uh, before the winter chill. Hmm. Oh, why are you humming? <laughs> I'm humming. Hmm. Uh, how to describe this? Um, it's a film. Oh God! Give us the plot. Give us the plot. Starring Daniel O'Toole and uh, Kristen Scott Thomas as a couple who've been married for donkey's years. He is a, a sur- <laughs> surgeon. She is a housewife. Essentially, she just does nothing but wait for him to come home every day. She gets up in the morning. He says, "Well, why did you get up this early?" And then she's, which she replies, "It's just to get see to see something of you." Uh, one day, presumably in between uh, extraordinarily complex um, 
surgeries. Uh, he he meets Princess Diana. No, um, he meets a girl. <laughs> <laughs> he's at a cuff, he's at a um a cafe, and the waitress overhears him talking about um uh, his operations for the day, and she says that she uh, he operated on her years ago. Now, this would actually be quite interesting if they hadn't started the film with Daniel O'Toole being interviewed. It's not shown, but it's obviously by the police. And they're saying, how did you know her? And he says, I operated on her. And they said she didn't have any scars on her body. So they set up from moment one, girl's lying. So it's obvious that she's a psycho. Pretty much, And yeah. that eventually and- kills her. <laughs> Well, oh, well, well. That's supposed. Uh, I guess that's supposedly the injury. Um, so basically, while and so after he meets her, um, he, he starts getting uh, flowers sent to his home, to his work all the time. He keeps bumping into her. He sees her all the time. Sees her at the opera. <laughs> Nothing pretentious there. Um, he sees her when he's like detoured uh, off the main road past the uh, uh, sports station, uh, sports uh, ground, where all the prostitutes hang out. And guess who he sees? <laughs> all that sort of thing. Um, and nothing, nothing cliched about that. Um, and uh, so he just goes along and goes along and goes along. And Ortal's good, obviously. And Chris Thomas is good, obviously. And um, it just doesn't really, because you know from moment one that she's lying. There's no, there's no genuine Mystery. edge. On, there's no genuine edge on it. You don't really care enough. To think, well, what's she lying about? And when it actually, when the reveal comes, it's so, what? It's it's, it's just so divorced from what you've seen and uh, just doesn't really match her um, emotionally with where the characters have been. You don't really un- ever understand why Ortoil even gets interested in her. And you don't really understand, especially with given where they go with it at the end, what, what what's up with her character. It just requires so much goodwill from the audience to fill in so many blanks yeah. and just just roll with it. Um, is it that, is it like Fatal Attraction? No. Okay. Uh, because it's not about it's not about the sex and the woman being scorned. It's more that it's more to do with the, the lack of communication between him and Scott Thomas. So he's uh he's not actually with this woman but she uh, knows that she's uh, losing him right. uh, but, n- but none of them actually talk about it so, but that's the interesting side of it but they tend to think that, I think the film thinks that his relationship with her is the inter- his relationship with the girl is the interesting side of it and it really isn't um, oh and it's all it's all okay it's just it's okay for so long that when the end comes, I'm thinking, well, I can't believe I'm actually thinking this actually might not even be average. It's, um, <laughs> it's I've okayed you so long. I've married you so long. I've been married to you for so long that I'm going to not have sex with someone else. <laughs> Are there any interesting supporting performances? Um, not really, because... Uh, the only ones in there are like uh, their son uh, who basically hates Ortol and it's just got this really arctic argumentative relationship and uh, then his wife who um, is uh, really quiet and um, like Kristen Scott Thomas like is advising her to leave her son 
It's all, it's that sort of level of weird. Sounds like and, child's pose. <laughs> yeah, and I think it thinks in the first well, they on the website where I, where I saw the film being advertised, it said, uh, "Autoil's casting uh, recalls Michael Haneke's cachet." And I think he, well, yes, if you think that it's a film in French and it's and there's a mysterious stalker, a put upon and, husband, and Michael Haneke's in it, and he's and he's done extraordinarily, extraordinarily well in terms of having a wife. <laughs> but that aside, it's got. You said Michael no... Haneke. You said Michael Haneke's in it. <laughs> it bears <laughs> no resemblance. I wish Michael Haneke was in this. It'd be more that interesting. That would be so fun, wouldn't it? He could it have would, been. Um, it... He could have been Saruman. Michael Haneke. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, yeah. please God! No. He could have been Noah. He could have been, been Tony Hopkins and Noah. That would have been so much better. <laughs> Blessing Emma Watson with yeah. the gift of ambiguity. O- opposite Emma Watson. <laughs> you know what? She needs. He needs to direct that girl. He really does that. <laughs> Sophia already did it very well. Oh, and well. Um, Stephen Chbosky. Yes, well, yeah, no, no arguments there. Um, uh, Basques for the win. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's just it's it's all very nicely made, and it's all it's all surface level, and it's just not half as interesting as it thinks it is, and it, it re- relies on the class that the lead actors inject into it in order to give it whatever little amounts of interest that it has. And I don't think the girl's very good. Um, she's been in a few things. She was in... What's she... her name? I couldn't even tell you. I'm going um, to look it up now. Um, she... The girl is Leila Bekti. She was in... Was she... She's was Indian, in... right? No, I think she's like North African. Oh, okay. Um, she was in... Um... God, what was it? I'm drawing a blank. I haven't got the page in front of me. She's been in about... I've seen her in about three or four things. Uh, and I haven't been impressed with her in anything. And she just doesn't deliver. She, if you... I think She's the in the source? No, go for the last few years. Um, Men are men? A life? Something a simple life. A simple she, life. Yes. She's the mother who ditches the kid on Guillaume Canet in A Simple Life. A prophet? A life. She's in A Prophet. Mm. Um, and I think... The Mezrine? Thing, I think if you had a better actress there, then she might be able to slightly... In the way that Ortoil and Christian Scott Thomas elevate their thing into the most interesting uh, part of it. Mm. If you had a better performer there, like uh, Deborah Francois type, then you'd have more edge on the sh- on the writing, which is naturally that interesting. Sanya? Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I I'd take that. Uh, the girl, um, uh, Ashley Bershvishby, the girl from uh, World Digger's Daughter, anything. Um, if you actually had a, a, a very good performer there, then you you inject more into it, and you'd make you care about more about that storyline. But you really don't. Right. I, I I don't think you ever really really would anyway. But I think you could get a decent film out of it if you had three excellently cast. Uh, people rather than just two. 
So it sounds like you never really got into this. I think I was I, I, I was never sold on it, and then the end pushed me the other way. Right. I think I was thinking it was okay to decent for most for the for the most part, but then where they go there at the end, they just it's like what? Great. Four. Let me harsh and say four. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's. I do think it ends up being below average. Okay. God, a Daniel or toil film. It's been rated below average. Has mm. this ever happened before? Um. Let me get back to you on that one while you tell me about Oculus. Oculus, the very interestingly titled Oculus, um, is about a young guy who's... Played by Alfred Molina, <laughs> after the accident. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh my god. I didn't plan that one. That's so random. <laughs> I know. <laughs> god, I don't, think, I don't think he would have thanked you for bringing that up. Blame the, blame the Budweiser I had at the pub <laughs> while I was watching Brazil. Don't mention the World Cup. <laughs> Oculus. This is about a young guy who's um, just got out of a mental institution after something has happened in his childhood. Okay. Um, his sister collars him as soon as he gets out. She works at an auction house and has just got her hands on a 17th century mirror that the family used to own. Mm. She thinks that the mirror has supernatural powers, and that it led to the demise of their parents. She sets it up in a room, sets up a lot of cameras and microphones, and films the events that eventually unfold. Mm. Although it isn't, it isn't point of view found footage. You see the cameras from another camera, so it's mm. not gimmicky in that way. Yeah. But she is trying to prove something by filming the mirror. Yeah. And it's got like a flashback structure, so it starts. It's it starts quite a while, like for a while, it's in the present, um, and then when it harks back to the flashbacks of them as kids and their parents, it is quite effective. So it keeps going back and forth, and especially when the present gets more frantic, it keeps going back to the past in that level of the same speed, which mm -hmm. works quite well. I think the editing is generally quite good in the whole film. Um, and it's similar to Haunter, because in Haunter, this is the Abigail Breslin film mm -hmm. a few weeks ago, It's it showed the family the father of the family being possessed by something. Mm. And this is a similar thing. Um, and it does it in quite an effective way as well. So I do think it is interesting and it is mostly original, but the problem with it, because it's concept horror, it yeah. does the thing that I don't like most about concept horror and that it makes its own rules as it goes along. Which is why I feel like I often criticise horror films for this, but it's true. Mm. It isn't particularly innovative filmmaking to create a role that is already malleable. Yeah. If you get my drift. So mm. it's 
It's, We've mentioned this before. It's like it's an inception. Where, it's, it's like an inception where they say you can't go. Where they say, "Oh, you can't get to the third level without this." And we can't get to the third level, and then someone immediately turns around and says, "Oh, well, I've just I've created this thing which will allow you to do it." Yeah. So why why create something and then just immediately um have something to get around it? It's not necessarily a loophole in the. It's in, just shoddy writing. It's not necessarily a loophole in the system they've created here. It's more that the system they've created. Is so, is so liberal in that they can basically do anything with it. Mm. So, I'm going to be more specific here. Yeah. Um. So the mirror has a power that is established, and that the power is to distort reality. So it can control. It's got mind control powers. So it's basically like the average Alex Ferguson interview. What's this a reference to? Distorting reality and having mind oh, <laughs> controlling I that powers. Was Wenger. <laughs> well, it's distorting reality, but not the mind control. <laughs> it's um. And he well becks good <laughs> for England, uh, but it's it's distorts reality. So you'll suddenly get a scene where the characters are saying, "Is this reality?" Or is it the mirror making me think it's reality? Right. And when you've got that situation, whichever way the film goes, it's right about that. Mm. And it's always going to be able to insert shock value because of that. Speaking of shock value, the lowest Daniel Lotoyle film that I've given a rating to is 6 out of 10. Before now. Yeah, and there's been a few of those, but I haven't ever gone below 6 by the look of it. There we go. Comfortably. Imagine if it was somebody else in the role. Oh my god. It would have been like a two. Oh, do you see what well, something came online with um, uh, Vincent Landon? Did you see this? No. Something's come online very recently. It's got a decent, it's got a meaty looking cast. I was thinking we should just do it for the hell of it. Well, Whether it's out or not. Research it while I finish the review. Okay. Um, I, Oculus, I think it is very, very original in. In its concept, I just don't believe in the mechanics of the script. I think they're already sort of jerry-rigged anywhere to be... It's another war reference. Jerry-rigged anywhere just to be like... um, Be able to shock no matter what. And I don't think it thinks enough about why it's shocking or where it's going with this. And then it sort of instantly sets up the possibility of a sequel without having warranted it. And it's a situation where the sequel could be a million times better than the original, but then why have the original in the first place? Mm. Why not just start it at a later point in the process? Yeah. Um, I also don't think there's a particularly interesting dynamic between the brother and the sister, despite the fact that he's been incarcerated for God knows how long. The actor playing the brother is just incredibly inexpressive and very, very straight-laced, considering. Mm. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's somebody tortured by the past at all. The sister's better, but the girl who plays the younger sis- the younger girl as... Uh, the sister as a younger girl is really, really good. Uh, and the kids are generally better than the adults as actors, which mm. you don't really see very often. You don't really want either. No. But they do get kind of equal time-ish so mm. um, but 
I'm just kind of torn because I do think it's very, very watchable and entertaining and original, which is important, and um, ambitious, which is important. But for a film that's billed as a haunted mirror movie, I wanted more juice in this. I wanted to see somebody dragged into the mirror. You wanted more delivery to Haviland. I want, yeah. I wanted more campness. Uh, less less tricksy, less gimmicky. Mm. So it's a C plus for Oculus. Right. But but people may like it more than me. I'll right. say that. Yeah. Vance Landon film is called Mea Culpa. It's an action thriller and it stars him, Gilles Lelouch, there we go. And mm. Nadine Labaki. Oh, of caramel fame. Mm. Of just red hot smokingness fame. <laughs> Lizzie beware. Oh my god, yes. But um, it's... I don't actually think that's close. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of that, actually. So is Direct it some it. thriller based on the uh, Bible? Uh, so about the end of the mission, back, going back home, they hit a car. So I don't think so. Hmm. Oh, it's a horror? No, it's an action thriller. Oh, action thriller, okay. Sounds good. We might do that next week. Although yeah. there's plenty... Uh, for next week. Although the um, director's uh, surname is a one letter away from a former Newcastle United player, Fred Cavai. <laughs> oh. So maybe that'll put you off. Well, he left them in the lurch, so... Cavai, sorry. There, there is an accent on that. Oh, that's the e. guy who... Oh, no. I don't want to watch that. That's the guy who Next did... three days. That's the guy who Poor did... L. The... Yeah, which I... I'm, I'm watching that, Which then. I gave an F. Not the original or the remake? The original. Really? I hated it. How yeah. could it be an F? It's Phantom Landon. No, I hated it. I hated the twist. The thing at the passport. It's Diane Kruger. I thought was awful. No. It's Diane Kruger. No. She's actually good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Just shut up, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go on to film of the week. Yeah, let's. <laughs> which the is the knot. which is the very well titled Devil's Knot. Because mm. it's not so many things. <laughs> <laughs> give, us, give us the plot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, Devil's Knot uh, is about uh, three bo- uh, boys who go uh, missing one night. Their bodies are found in the uh, in a river in the woods uh, a few days later. And following, oh, wow. Okay, yeah, there is a. Oh no, confer- yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You, you know why I've done that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so the the police uh, uh, then um, uh, uh, arrest three local goths slash kids who listen to heavy metal music because they uh, and uh, they think that there's been some sort of satanic involvement and. Uh, by the time it goes to trial, a local private investigator played by Colin Firth decides that uh, there's potential miscarriage of justice going on and he wants to offer his services to help the boys yeah. accused of the crime. And this has been a document, three documentaries yeah. uh, in Paradise Lost. So I, the question I've got written down here is, mm. do we need this film? Well, that's the question that some of the reviews have been... Um, Suggesting because I haven't seen the documentaries and no. therefore this I'm 
I'm going to incorporate the documentaries even though I haven't seen them into this review okay. because I do think it's worth noting that we've there's been 20 years worth of incidents and new evidence documented in these documentaries. Mm. They've all got very, very good, highly praised uh, acclaim. Mm. And yet we have a film here which covers a six months, three months of it. Okay. I'm just Can wondering, I... do we need that now? Okay, my immediate response to that mm-hmm. is, have you seen those documentaries? No. Having seen this film, are you now more interested in seeing those documentaries? Not as, not uh, any more or less than I was before. Well, I had no real idea about them, and now I am okay. mildly interested in seeing them, so right. that's why I think there is... That's what the need of the film is. Okay. I so think. you think the fact that it's bringing it to a wider audience through not being a documentary because people yeah, are put off by documentaries. Because some, some people it's, might just think it's a Reese Witherspoon film, so I'll go and see it, and they'll think, oh, this is a true story. I wonder what the real story was. Yeah. Mm. But then the problem is that the real story is so horrific. It's mm. sort of like you've got to be in the right mentality to watch these documentaries. Mm. Or maybe that's the thing. You, you'll you'll know what you're getting into. Yeah. Mm. It's, I, I'm still on the, fa- I don't think we particularly need this film, but mm. I think it might actually suit being a miniseries because yeah, mean, sort yeah. of like Twin Peaks, because it does bring things in like the thing, the fact of the uh, black guy that mysteriously yeah. disappeared and the redhead. The knives. Uh, yeah. 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 The, mm. the redhead who, who went, who made up this story but did she make it up Oliver Stone would be a much better fit as a director for this sort of material I think when you're bringing in possible other theories mm. you're bringing in the sort of uh, uh, corruption plus conspiracy this. yeah I mean depending on what cause what, depend, depending on what sort of take you want if you want the seedy underbelly then David Lynch is absolutely the way to go on this if you want the um, uh, the corruption and the covering it up and uh, the uh, uh, just general um, uh, uh, untrustworthiness of the authorities, then maybe someone like Oliver Stone would would make a more compelling piece. Yeah, um, I think with with Agoyan's strength uh, as a filmmaker, which he hasn't been playing to <laughs> for a very long time, yeah, is is creation of mood and atmosphere. Uh, That's and, always good, though. Yeah, I think in all of his films, he's visually very good, and this. It does have some great sequences. I think it's a little bit bland in general, but um, I think the scene where they find the bodies is yes. just grisly and perfectly done. Yeah, just with with following him on it, uh, we can, you can't see his hands. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's. Uh, uh, what do you think of the acting? I think it's very, very, very strange to see Reese and Colin in the same film. Yeah. Um, but I think they're both good in completely different ways. I think Colin is a slow burn of a performance where it's more it's more of an arc situation where you can see what he's thinking, how he's changing. Whereas Witherspoon I think is more up and down. She has a good moments like with the interview where she's wearing the scout thing on her head, <laughs> which I think is I don't know, because she's supposed to be playing quite a low intelligence character. Yeah, and I think the 
the classroom scene is just very moving in general. Yeah, I think I think you and you know my sort of taste in acting. I think when Reese has to go big in this, I think I don't think it's. I think she's more successful in the scenes that you just highlighted rather than when uh, Egoyne asks her to go big, um, like the um, rendition scene. <laughs> oh, the the Mystic River is out the out, out in there. No, oh yeah, and out the back with the with the husband uh, after the neckerchief scene. Yeah. Um, uh, I think with uh, Firth at times, I think he thinks he's in a single man. Um, but uh, like when he, he's just like sat there trying to portray loneliness or um, trying to sh- show affluence, <laughs> have to wear a suit. It's an um, interesting decision to have it in his perspective. Because this was something. Oh, what, what have you just thought of? What was it? Okay, yeah. This is kind of my 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 problem with it, because it it is his perspective, if anybody's, but not a hundred percent. And I think films like this. I mean, the best example of a miscarriage of justice film is In the Name of the Father. Yeah. And that succeeds because not because it's a performance piece. It ends up being a performance piece because Daniel Day-Lewis is so bloody good. Yeah, but but it it works because it plays to um, show what this person has gone through, and it's similar to something like the Hurricane, which I'm not in love with, but I think it's a good film. It, uh, these the, these films are, are usually done from the perspective of the person who is being oppressed, whereas with this, it's more of like an intellectual exercise, and it's almost as if they don't want to go there because of the characters of yeah. the people who are being accused, yeah, and that they feel more comfortable or or, or think that um, it, it is more easy to get on board Colin Firth having a sort of uh, altruistic uh, philosophy on what uh, on on uh, the death penalty and so that being his driving force behind it but then it just comes across as alarmingly pompous and stilted at times yeah it's I do think it does a good job of um, making this into a quite compact a film but mm. I just I think wonder it does still too, feel like a hodgepodge of ideas that the- it's too compact, and I think um, at yeah. times because of that, when you have the conversation between Reese and Firth after the trial uh, in the woods, it was a bit flat. It's too on the nose. It was a bit uh, flat with her. It, it, it's 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 yeah. subtext. It's 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 vocalizing the subtext. It's not offensively so, but it's just shorthanding it and spoon feeding it to you because not because they think you're idiots necessarily it's not a Chris Nolan situation but it's more it comes across as like we've got to wrap, wrap this up now yeah and so we've just got to we've just got to give you everything we've got and then leave you with it I don't I, yeah and I can't buy that she would feel I just don't buy that um, I don't think it's really Witherspoon's fault but no. I just don't think that as presented yeah I don't the whole it's sort of like always cuts to her when there's something doubtful presented in the courtroom. Yeah. And it's almost like it's it's already like spoon feeding you that, like you said. So mm. Yeah, the well, end it's either spoon feeding or short it's either spoon feeding or shorthanding. It depends how kind you're being. Yeah. Have you ever seen a film with more like title cards at the end telling you what happened next? <laughs> well, it could have had a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I wanted more, so maybe I will watch the documentaries. But there was, 
there were shades of prisoners in this. I wanted to mention. Mm. There was a. They had the crucifix hanging from the car mirror again, like prisoners, as if it had watched, as if a guy had watched prisoners and borrowed from that a little bit. Um, but I wanted more Dane DeHaan as well. There wasn't enough of him. I don't know what would entice him to that role. He's like a young gigging actor. He needs work, doesn't he? Mm. We've just got Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Wants to work with Atomy Coin. Likes it. Li- likes this what you're after. <laughs> no, that's that, it's that's a, your it's a idealism pretty... creeping through. No, no, no. It sometimes it really is that simple. It's like Catherine Deneuve sees breaking the waves, loves it, and writes Lars von Trier less saying, "Can I have a small part in your whatever film, whatever you do next?" Sometimes it literally is that. I mean, Michelle Williams, um, she did um, uh, a film for Vendors um, just because she liked parasexes. Mm. I mean, you got it, 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 you, it's, it's a more cool way to go about it. Yeah. But you, it's admirable. Yeah. You end up being Rachel Vice because you have this list of impressive list of directors that you've worked with, but for their least accomplished films or least acclaimed films. And to an extent, Kidman as well. Uh, often goes for directors and probably not their best work. No. But um, Dev, I'm just a little bit torn about Devil's Knot because I do think that it has a lot of material to already work with, mm. and therefore it can it can um, muddle these ideas together and still come out looking half substantial. Wherein, whereas I don't really think that it it's much of a film on its own, and I think it would be better suited to long form. So I'm going to give it a C plus, but I do. I do think it's decent ish, but I, I just don't think that it's a great film. Mm, I agree, I do. Um, this is. I think it's probably a six for me because. It does get interest. The the longer it goes, and the more they go the legal routes, it does get interesting. Yeah. And um, I, I mean, I did for example. I mean, after this film finished, I, I was talking with my dad about it for for about five minutes. Yeah. Explain explain to him the, the the basis of the situation. I mean, um, had you heard about this? Blah blah blah. Because like, I can talk to him about the legal sort of stuff, and he and he gets it. <laughs> so when did you find out about the documentaries? Um, immediately afterwards, when I clicked on when I went on a uh, IMDb. Okay. Mm. Okay. So we're going to talk about briefly about documentaries. If I can. Films. Well, I only have one. Films. Or monster. No. Okay. I don't like monster. Well, no, I don't like monster, but the the, the documentary is better. Well, apparently, Rescue Dawn is based yes, on Werner Herzog's documentary. Little Dita learns to fly. Yes. So we talk because we both like Rescue Dawn, don't we? I did. I did. Yeah. Um, which is a great film about prisoners of war in mm. is it Asia somewhere? Yes. Um, Christian Bale again losing seventeen stone. Ridiculous. And uh, Steve Zahn as well. Either eating uh, or not eating. A lot of cheeseburgers is not acting. 
<laughs> oh, come on. He's decent in Rescue Dawn. No, he is good. He's fine, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Steve Zahn's better, but... Um, yeah. I, I do give Bale his props when I like him. But, um, Flowers of War. Yeah. Mm. It's a bit wannabe Deer Hunter. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I watched Deer Hunter after that, actually. But I guess a few things borrow from Deer Hunter. Mm. Mm. Mon- Monster, um, I remember, <laughs> I always found it really, really, really funny when, because um, uh, I'm not the biggest fan of Charlie's Theron's performance in Monster, um, especially in comparison with some of the other nominees that year, or some of the other performances that year. And, yeah. uh, the online retort was always, she nailed it, go watch the documentary. And I was like, well, I have. And that's kind of part of the reason why I think she missed the character. Because um, what, what I found strange about that, that documentary was um, she's weirdly charming and strangely compelling. And I just didn't get any of that from... Uh, from no, 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 not just doing this to slag the runoff. It's just saying what, showing how a film can segue, you can go from the film to the documentary and get very different things out of it, even though it's on the same subject. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm in two minds about Theron in that. I think at times mm. she's really, actually really, really good, but it's it's very, very cartoonish. Gimmicky. And um, having, see, having seen her in other things like Young Adults, and um, I just think she, she can be a lot. Yeah, she can be Burning Plane, she's great. Yeah, uh, the rewatch of that, she jumped up so much. Yeah, she ca- she can be a lot more interesting than that, and I think when you impose so much makeup as well, mm. it can mask or maybe discourage actors from properly coming out of that. Maybe yeah. restrict them in certain ways. Yeah. Um, but. The film gives you freedom in one way, yeah. Gives you freedom in one way, but then can be negative as well. Yeah, I would, I would never to this day, if I'd watched that now, with her having been more famous now, I wouldn't have picked her out. I wouldn't have said that was her. Just unrecognizable. Mm. But Christina Ritchie, I like Christina Ritchie, but she's terrible in that film. (laughs) I love Christina Ritchie. Absolutely awful. I love Christina Ritchie, but I don't think she's terrible in that film. Oh, you don't? No, I quite like her, but then I'm a fanboy. I'm an unabashed Christina Ritchie fanboy. Okay. It really depresses me that I actually watched a few episodes of Pan Am just for her. (laughs) Or Charlie McBeal. She's great in that. Um, Another quick one. Uh, Just another example of the the real story being far more interesting than the film. The Heroes of Telemark. I'd seen a, a documentary mm. on the History Channel about uh, the the, uh, the storming the heavy water uh, uh, factories in uh, Norway, I think it was. And um, the film's okay. Kirk Douglas. It's a standard war film from the 60s. Spartacus. But, yeah. Spartacus Kirk. Yeah. but um, And his massive bum chin. Um, <laughs> but no, the, the, re- the real story is so much more interesting. Okay. All right, shag marry kill. Um, I've only got two, so I'm going to shag one of the two that you would have seen, and I'm going to go for the Genet just so I could say I've seen it. I mean, uh, so I would marry 
as in watch every week for the rest of my life. Oh my god. <laughs> Devil's not, because it's mildly interesting. And um kill the author because even he needs to do better films than that. <laughs> okay, I'm going to um I'm going to marry Oculus because mm-hmm. It's... You wouldn't want to watch Devil's Knot every weekend for the rest of your life. No, well, I'm going to marry Oculus because it's the most ambitious. It's probably the film that I would get more information out of with more watches. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm torn here. Which one would you want to? Well, I think which, one, gonna... which one shouldn't exist? You know what? I'm going to kill um, the Journey because. I think it's very middle of the road and uninspiring in general. Yeah. And even though Devil's Not may not be the right film to tell the story about mm. or to tell the story in, it's um, it's at least more interesting. So mm. I'll, I would shag Devil's Not. Okay. And it's Reese. Can't kill mm. Reese. Got a shagger. <laughs> The Olsen Factor. Right, I've only got two films this week. Uh, Kristen Thomas, no. Uh, Layla Becky, no. Uh, Devil's Not, Reese, no. Um, Sluts who are um, the boys, no. Anyone else in Devil's Not? Oh, The Waitress, no. Oh, The Ex-Wife, that's Amy Ryan. Mm. No. Um, no. That was um, random. Oh, oh Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think Olsen's got this one uh, handily covered. Isaac Range, similarly, Colin is a no. Although, Even with the facial hair. Although he's very, you know, he's scrubbed up quite well this week. But he's no. stylish. Mm. Mm. Guy from Oculus uh, is too young, so it's a no. And there's nobody in um, the journey. So it's a uh, 1.0. Easy for Oscar, yeah. All right, so we have a website. It's moveforpodcast.com. You can check out our Facebook in the Move for Podcast, Twitter at Move for Podcast. On the website, we have a question, um, submit a question page, which you can do, and you can check out all our grades and our lists and our 100 films to see before you die. Well, it's actually like 96 or whatever it is. 90s, yeah. Yeah, we didn't think that one through, did we? No. I should check with each other for the overlaps. <laughs> um, I have a surprise for you. Really? Next week, Irini is going to be on the podcast. See, I really don't know this stuff. <laughs> because we have Miss Violence next week. Oh, it's online, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. So we have a Greek film next week. Um, so Irini said she will come on the podcast. Okay. We also have Shailene. God. You don't want me to rant again, do you? <laughs> in the fault in our stars. Because Shailene can wrench the emotion out of anything, surely. Shouldn't... Well. <laughs> we also have... Um... Is that what she was doing in Divergent with her tutor? <laughs> <laughs> We've also got a Clint Eastwood musical. Jersey Boys. Oh my god, you know what? You just reminded me that that exists. Is it a musical or is it a biopic? 
I think it's supposed to be musical, but it's actually more like Ray. That's what I've heard. So, but the thing is, can you think of like a classic entertainer with a more annoying voice than Frankie Valley? Does this mean we're not ending on Frankie Valley this week? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I th- they have one song I like. What's the main song? If girls don't cry. No, I don't like that. <laughs> there must be another one. This, ter- this has been a hit musical. <laughs> anyway, Clint's doing that. We also yes, have... yeah. By the way, if you want an actual hit musical, Wicked's on in Birmingham. Is it? That's something that's actually popular. There you go. You can end on popular. <laughs> oh God, no. <laughs> let's you, let's you, you want you want you'd rather defy gravity. Let's Are you impressed with my sort of like non knowledge of this? Have you seen Wicked? No, I just I just watched like a few Christian Channel things after pushing daisies. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, what can we, I say? Hopelessly devoted. <laughs> we have um, Chinese puzzle. The clapiche is out next week, and we Kelly also... Riley is back Ke- on the porn set <laughs> with the spider tattoo. <laughs> the kiss of the spider tattoo. <laughs>